You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's going on people? Welcome to Paint Points. As usual, I'm your host Jake Painting. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the SB Nation Podcast Network and the Canis Hoopers family. I'm here with Kyle Tidy. We are going to do some mailbag questions that got sent in. We have a couple of questions there that we want to get to. We have a couple of questions that we want to hit on that, that we kind of came up with ourselves and then we will kind of go to, to an announcement that I have and, and some exciting news that I want to share with you guys and that I want to discuss with Kyle. But first, let's introduce the man himself, Kyle Tidy. What's going on, man? What's going on, dude? Um, let's try this again. We had some technical <laughs> difficulties. Like I said, uh, we always we're, recording, do. we're recording live Saturday morning for me. It's like before 7 a.m. Uh, it's almost midnight for Jake in Australia. But um, but yeah, no, I was... a. Uh, I was excited to see you again. I was excited to talk to you. And I know we have a couple really good mailbag questions and a couple this and that that we wanted to talk about. And then, um, yeah, I want to, I'm amped. I couldn't sleep last night because I wanted to talk about your, uh, your latest announcements. So, um, without, I mean, if it doesn't matter to you, like, let's just jump into these mailbags and then we can talk about, uh, your next venture. Yeah. So, well, well let's jump into the mailbags first. I guess, um, the first question here is from JV Swaps on Twitter, Jake, who, who's a uh, an avid listener I know and a really good guy. I've, I've kind of interacted with him a lot on Twitter. He asked uh, the Sun. He said the Suns were trending up last year and then ascended after acquiring Chris Paul. Obviously, we just got done watching them in the, in, in the finals. Uh, he says, are there any semi-realistic veteran additions who could have a similar impact on the Wolves? This to me is a hard question to answer because I. I don't think there is. I, in fact, I don't think really think it's a hard question to answer because it's just a hard. It's a hard thing for the Wolves to find as a a veteran guy like Chris Paul or or in that you know realm of Chris Paul impact that they can find. There's not. They don't have any money, obviously, to go and sign an unrestricted free agent. Uh, the the players who are restricted free agents who they could potentially get a sign and trade deal going for a lot of those either aren't really. On their timeline or on their on their radar, guys like Kyle Lowry, uh, you know, if you go through those kind of names, you're not going to find one that really matches with the Timberwolves. More of the the young guys, I guess, obviously in the in the Ben Simmons or the Miles Turner or the John Collins or the uh, you know Gallinari, which we'll talk about later. It's there's those are the kind of guys I think they'll be looking for. I'd be pretty surprised if they were able to pull off a deal for. Someone who's who's a really kind of grizzled veteran who can still play at a high level, a la Chris Paul. Um, it, they, I do agree that that is something that would be really beneficial for the team. Like, I, it would be awesome if they could get a guy like that because they need that. But to me, I think it's really hard to find. I think they'll be setting their sights on on more role player options or or stars or semi stars who come more of it as a trade kind of. Um, a trade package or someone they can acquire from another team is is that the way you feel or is there a name you have in mind no i it's a great question it's just kind of a it's definitely a deflating answer to some yeah. because i because well and, and I'll, I'll i'll do what i do best and i'll spin it but um i just some people just really love the transaction uh like of the league right like they just love the NBA 2K version of just signing big free agents and stuff. I mean, we just saw an NBA Finals that basically had the two teams that had made like the biggest offseason move play each other mm-hmm. with the Drew Holiday trade and, and the Chris Paul trade. I think of it as, and this is such a cop out, but I think they're going to make some moves. I mean, I think they're going to try to be creative. I just never really subscribe to the idea. I mean, I know Dane has really painted or pointed out their financial situation. Um, 
But I think with the Rubio contract, the the Beasley contract, um, I think you're just going to see them be more creative because I think they have a little pressure from from ownership to you know kind of impress. And we can talk about ownership in a sec, but uh, but I just think that that's going to be. It's not going to be exciting. Like you said, it's not Kyle Lowry's not signing here. It's not a sign and trade for Kyle Lowry. They'll, I think they're still in on Ben Simmons. And I think it's more real than people maybe want to give it credit for. But I think Philly just is waiting to see what other offers come up. But to me, like, I think the biggest free agent or whatever, like, I, I, I'm so amped for the D'Angelo Russell thing. He's not a free agent, obviously, but I just, I'm excited to see. I think he's finally healthy. Like, I think you're going to see the best version of him. So while you're not going to have a big Chris Paul, you know, veteran addition or a big Drew Holiday thing, I kind of look at it as more like the Nuggets, who their big three, let's say, like with Jokic, Murray, and uh, and Michael Porter Jr., like they all just kind of got better, right? They just all kind of like they didn't really have a big offseason move in 2020. They just kind of like had more cohesion and they just were awesome. And then you know injuries kind of struck them down and kind of neutered their playoff run, but. I just think these guys with a summer to work out with Chris Finch. I mean, John Krasinski and Dane talked about this the other day on John's show, but I don't think Carl Anthony Towns has practiced in the summer for two years. Like yeah. he just has had so much other shit going on that like you saw some really weird photos, by the way. Like you saw him like shirtless looking like he was 190 pounds <laughs> on Instagram uh, a couple weeks ago. Like I think he's putting more work into his body. He's hanging out with D'Lo. Those guys are going to like Jared Vanderbilt's camp, ants hanging out. Like they're all just, I think the chemistry, it's just going to be more of an organic thing. And that sucks if you really like transactions. But I just think that just maybe like less is more is kind of maybe their strategy for the offseason. It's like, listen, we actually think we have something here. We just need to like let it cook in the oven a little more. We don't need to add any ingredients. And we're just going to, we we think we have enough to, to really, you know, contend for a, a playoff spot. So that'll... We'll see if that happens. But yeah, I just, you know, do you have any like specific names of like another Jay Crowder type? I mean, I saw Jermichael Green uh, opted out of his contract, which is kind of weird. Like, I'm sure they'll kick the tires on him again if things don't go well. But I just, are you are you horny for Jermichael Green? Like, that doesn't really do it for me. <laughs> yeah, like, if we're, if we're sticking with that analogy, you know, the food analogy, I think that they've got their... Their main dish, their yep, their yep. protein is ready. I think that they need they need some sides. You know, they need some seasoning. Like they, I think that's what they're. I think they're going to shoot for the stars with with Simmons and with Turner and with Collins. But I don't. I would be surprised if they if they landed any of those guys. And I know they definitely will do everything they can to land one of those guys. But I think you're more likely to see them kind of fall back to earth with, with something that just plugs the gap the the gaps a little bit. Uh, Jermichael Green is a name, like you said, I'm sure they'll kick the tires on. I wouldn't hate it if he, if he landed in Minnesota. And, and these aren't sexy names that I'm going to come out with. And, and Jermichael Green isn't a sexy name. But, like, they believe in that town's D'Lo and threesome. Yeah. Yep. Um, and they think that those guys can carry you as, as the quote-unquote star players of the team. So what you need to do then is kind of supplement them and complement them with guys who who really do the things that they don't do. Obviously, defense is one of them, but just just in terms of of, of finding players who can complement all three of those guys in different ways. And a, a sneaky name I've got that I just keep coming back to, and I've e- actually even started oh, watching a, a few here things we go. here. here we go. Ugly, people are going to laugh at this. Cody Zeller is a player that I would not be surprised if they end up kicking the tires heavily on. This is a guy who was one of the best role men in the league this year. He's, he's not... Going to jump out the gym and dunk on dudes, you know, like he's not John Collins running down the lane, but he's an elite role man. Like he and his rim gravity really good, um, really he's really a good, offen- really smart basketball player. Yeah, really good offensive rebounder. He had you know four point three offensive rebounds per per seventy five possessions. That's ninety fourth percentile. You know seven point six defensive rebounds per seventy five, eighty seventh percentile. This team got killed as you know on, on the boards all year um he, he didn't he, like his rim, a, his rim interior defense is really good as well like like he ranked in the 58th percentile in terms of you know defensive field goal percentage like he can he contested 46.2 percent of shots at the rim when he was on the floor which is 96 percentile like if you want a guy who can kind of just slot in and and push 
Towns down to a four and just do all of the little things while not taking shots away from Ant, not taking shots away from D'Lo and kind of complimenting Towns and insulating him. That's a name that I really like, man. Like, and, and I think I think it's a great name to bring up. And people have got if you're listening to this right now, and you went from wow, last pain points, we talked about Ben Simmons, yeah. now we're talking about one of the Zeller brothers. Um, but I really do think like some people, and I'm guilty of this too, but like some people are ruined by video games in the sense of like you're not going to build a 2K team that's like Ben Simmons, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards. John Collins and Carl Anthony Towns. That roster right. will never happen. Um, like if you believe in Carl taking a step again, like he's kind of fallen behind the pecking order of unicorn big men. But if you think that he could have a resurgence this next year, kind of like Devin Booker did, right? Like a year ago, Devin Booker's stock was half of what it is because he went out and won games. But like there's only so many shots in one ball for people. So like I know we're talking about Cody Zeller 20 minutes into this pod, but <laughs> who was, who was like truly, who was the most impactful player in the NBA finals outside of the guys that like your dad knows, like Giannis or like Drew Holiday stuff? It was Bobby Portis. Yeah. Like the Wolves need, I mean, hell, that's my guy. Like I'm just going to put that as my name. I don't think he'll sign. I think he'll get a bigger offer, but Bobby Portis is like the, in my basketball brain, the perfect power forward next to Carl. Like he's tough. He can rebound. He can shoot threes. Like he can defend. He's also fucking crazy. And I don't think the Timberwolves, like, when you watch those playoffs, right, like, you have to have a James Johnson type, not that just is crazy talking shit from the bench. Like, he's got to have an active role in the team. But, I mean, the Suns a lot of times needed a spark, and and it came from Jay Crowder. Um, P.J. Tucker scored, like, I think four more points in the NBA Finals than I did, and he played 38 minutes a game and, like, was a tough guy. So... I don't think the Wolves have a lot of that, and I think Cody Zeller is one. Like, I think Cody Zeller is a tough guy that's like, he doesn't care if he gets the recognition, right? Like, he doesn't care if mm-hmm. Ant gets all the post-game love or he never gets an interview. Like, he just shows up and does his job, kind of a lunch pail guy. That is, I don't have a lot of names right now, but that is the, I don't know the last time the Wolves have had, like, an enforcer since, like, Taj Gibson. Like, a really good veteran that can contribute. I mean, Ricky's a good veteran, and contr- but his voice is about as high-pitched as mine was when I was 25. So I just think they need a real tough adult that's in their eight-man rotation that will kind of earn, like, make other teams respect the Wolves. Because the Wolves have sucked forever, and they're a bunch of young guys, and, you know, they're a bunch, you know, like, a bunch of guys that haven't really made it, like Carl and D'Angelo Russell outside of a lone playoff or playoff appearance and a couple all-stars. So I'm with you. I think the Cody Zeller one is kind of brilliant, actually. Like he's a really underrated player that has, you know, he's going to be in the league for another six to eight years just because he yeah. knows how to play the game. And he made $14 million a year this year and for the last few years on his contract. I don't think he'll get that anywhere again. I've read a lot of rumors that uh, that Charlotte are looking to upgrade at center. I know they're in for Sean Holmes as well, who probably gets more than what the Timberwolves can afford, but uh, I think I think the Wolves are on track to be able to just sneak into that uh, non-taxpayer mid-level exception kind of range, which is about between nine and ten million. Uh, I think if you give Cody Zeller three years, thirty million. First, I don't think you regret that in in two or three years, and secondly, I think that you know he he would sign for that. I don't know if he'd sign with Minnesota for that. You know, like there's, he, I think he'll have some suitors out there, but. I think you can get him for the for the mid-level exception, and that's all Minnesota can use. Like they're not going to get anyone for more than ten million dollars in free agency. He's an unrestricted free agent. Uh, I think you could get him at three and thirty. If he ends up in two or three years coming off the bench at ten million per, I still think he'll probably give you enough to kind of you know not make you hate that move. And he he's got an old man's game as it is, so I don't think that you can worry about his game kind of really dropping off a cliff in as he gets a little bit older but yeah i don't know he's a guy that i that i really like he's not a sexy name at all man and he's 28 years old so like it's but that's that kind of veteran you know leadership he's got eight years of experience in the league like it's not for his poll that's for sure right and i i do think i think the off season will be and this is again i'm coming at this as i was i'm probably gonna write about this later this fall but like i'm coming at this as i've been carrying the the bucket of water for Gerson Rosas, like, you know, rah, rah, trust the process type shit. But um, they, they have to win. 
So I know it seems bleak right now because they don't have all the fun stuff that we like in the summer. They don't have draft picks. They don't have a ton of cap space. Um, but I don't think the Wolves will ever have cap space, like in my lifetime, because it's just and what not are they really... going to use it? For, like, what are they going to use that cap space on? That's what I always Ex- come back to. Like, they, they're not signing anyone, man. Like, they're not exactly. signing. If Chris Paul doesn't sign for them if they have thirty million dollars this offseason. But, Put your money but, on that. But remember, remember last offseason when it was like, okay, we need a power forward of the future, and it was like it started with. I can't remember who the free agents were, but you know, like it was that pecking order of like star, star, then like Paul Millsap, and then um, maybe Jay- Jermichael Green and Derek yeah, Jones Jay- Jr. Jay Crowder, like yeah, like you know, like they they were trying to fill that role. There's a ton of that again this year. Like mm-hmm. um, my good friend John Hollinger wrote a pretty good piece <laughs> where it's like, uh, you know, it had Cody Zeller on there, but it talks about like Kelly Olynyk, Daniel Tice, uh, Montrez Harrell, um, Hassan Whiteside, pass. Like Serge Ibaka, Bobby Portis, Willie Cauley Stein, I could see them kind of getting a guy like that, like you know, yeah. like a kind of a pseudo four, maybe a five, like you know, you kind of interchange Carl in that person's role. But I think another front court tough guy, with all due respect to Nas, um, is like the number one priority to me because you know, without going on a Jaden tangent, like you know, Jaden's going to start the season at the three. That's his best position. So you kind of have this hole at the four, and if it's just a you know, Daniel Tice is like not a sexy guy that your parents know his name or you're going to buy his jersey, but he's just kind of been awesome everywhere he's gone, right? Like he was awesome in Boston. He really turned things around for the the Bulls in terms of like making them play respectable defense. So yeah. I know that was a huge long tangent that we just basically highlighted Daniel Tice and Cody Zeller, <laughs> but I, I really, I really think that they're, I think it's going to take them a little time to get into free agency because you said they don't have a lot of money. So those big names or even Daniel Tice's are going to see what the market's like, right? And then if yeah. it doesn't work out, it's going to be more of a a Derek Jones Jr. signing where he settles with a team maybe on a two-year deal with a one-year player option type thing so that he can rejoin free agency next year. But I, I, I would be shocked if they don't make a competitive offer to a guy that could start for them the game, game one. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um, and one guy that has been mentioned a lot is Danilo Gallinari. Obviously, our good friend Dane Moore had the scoop there that, that the Timberwolves are interested, that they've been talking to Atlanta about Gallinari moves. I think it would be remiss of us not to to hit on a few questions that we got about Gallo. Uh, this comes from Quinn German. He says, does, does Danilo Gallinari's offense justify the team becoming a complete sieve defensively? I'll give you the floor here. I have a little bit differing opinion, I think, than the consensus is right now, but I want to give you the floor first. Well, just a shout out first to our friend, Dane Moore, who's just decided recently after the 4th of July to just start dropping more missiles on us. Um, (laughs) uh, Dane has never been as plugged in as he is now. So if you're a a Dane Moore NBA podcast fan, subscribe to that Patreon. That was a selfish plug. But uh, no, I think... I mean, Dane and Britt did such a good job on their pod talking about it, so I don't have too much to add. But, I mean, I think he fits. Like, him as a player fits a role on this team, right? They talked about his catch-and-shoot numbers. Um, They talked about his ability to play make a little bit. He, You know, he can still get to the free-throw line. He doesn't move as fast as his Denver days, but he's a huge or, human he being. Doesn't move, he doesn't move at all. Like. Right, 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 right. But like you know, like in Denver, he would give you a pump fake, and then he would really take it to the rim. Yeah. Now yeah. he just kind of gives you a pump fake, puts the ball on the ground once, and then flails around like Chris Paul. But um, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't address the defensive issue at all. Like he doesn't you can't slot him in at the four and expect him to get many rebounds. So um, I, again, I'm not questioning Dane because this was like Dane's scoop. I just wonder if it was one of those situations where like the Wolves were interested in it. But it also like they had also reached out to twelve other teams about a certain guy. So yeah, yeah, I don't put too much stock into it. But I also think that there is a, and we'll see this in a couple of weeks. But there might be a strategy where like they keep using this Rubio contract to like you know they went from James Johnson who was like on an expiring to get Rubio who has you no know, one le- one year left now is on an expiring, and they just kind of keep kicking the tires on this twenty two million dollar salary slot. That then they can use in a bigger trade while yeah, also they keep, like they br- keep extending that that trade chip that you have that you can donate yeah. to other teams until you do come up with the guy that you really want because right, you, right. Can't, you so, can't always do like I'm sure they would love to trade Ricky Rubio for 
for Ben Simmons, but like that doesn't always happen. What does always happen is the stars become available and really good right. players become available, and they want to. I think they want to be able to come to the table with an offer every time that that happens. And for that, you need that trade chip. You need the Malik Beasley. You need the Danilo Gallinari. Like I will say that I think you can acquire Gallinari and you can get a Cody Zello or a Kem Birch or a Daniel Tice and you can make this team a fair bit better. Like, I know that Gallo... Uh, Gallo, Gallo gets injured every year. He, he hasn't played over 70 games since his sophomore season. Like, he gets injured literally every year. He's, he's 51 games this year, 62, 68, 21, 63, 53, 59. Like, there you are missing 20 games from Gallo if you get him. But... I think that you bring him off. I think if if this eventuates, I think he comes off the bench, man. I just feel like that isn't a thing that has been discussed enough. Like I think you can sign a Cody Zeller or you know insert facsimile here, uh, and then you can bring Dell off the bench and do exactly what he did at, in Atlanta. And what he did in Atlanta was like super duper perfect for the, for their team, and they have a kind of similar uh, roster construction to the Timberwolves in terms of. You know, star players who don't play much defense. Uh, other, you know, big guys like John Collins who aren't that great on defense. I know Clint Capella's obviously there now and improved a lot as a defender to the point where he's, you know, a- an all defense kind of level guy. But it's like Gallo off the bench, even for the money he's making, is really interesting to me, to be honest. Like, I understand that he's not the perfect option and. There's trepidations that that are that need to be put in place when you're talking about him, but I don't know. Gallinari giving you 15 off the bench in, in 22 minutes a night, great three point shooter, like great foul drawer, elite and, kind of offense. If you have Gallo and Malik Beasley coming off the bench, like that's the best bench, bench Minnesota have had maybe ever. Like just on the back of those two players. And I don't disagree, but since we're kind of in the Gallo weeds, um. My take right before you said his name was like, if Gallo is the guy you're kind of coming off the bench is kind of, you know, like your European giant version of Lou Williams. Um, I don't know how you have him and Malik Beasley, right? Because if you had those two guys on the floor at the same time coming off the bench, I mean, you, you see how teams kind of like split their, their big three, um, in a way that like they never take more than one of them off the floor type thing, you know, but like, Let's say D'Angelo Russell is running with the second unit. It's like, that's just like, it's just, there's not enough basketballs, in my opinion, where like Gallo and Malik Beasley yeah. can just get their shots. Neither of them plays any. And you're doubling yeah. down on the, on the, the defense thing. Like, like, adding Gallo, Gallinari, it just, Gallo adds to me another, is just a bigger Beasley <laughs> in yeah, my mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it just adds another guy who can't defend. I completely understand that. And like, if you add Gallo, and I don't think you'd give up Beasley to get him. I don't think he's worth Beasley, to be honest. Like, I would rather keep no, Beasley than No, either do I. No. Um, but, you know, if you give up Rubio, who's at least kind of a, a middling defender at worst, um, and you bring in Gallo, like, you're punting defense out the fucking window. Like, And, you, and again, I, mean, I don't think Dane, I don't, I don't think we're d- discrediting Dane. Like, it was No, scoop. no, no. I just think that there were I also... I believe it. I completely believe that they're kicking oh, the tires on him. Like, I I have no 100%. issue with Dane Stroop because, like you said, they're kicking the tires on everyone. Everyone they think that could possibly kind of fit their profile. And the profile right now, I think, is pretty much like, we need a power forward. <laughs> like, and Gallinari is a power forward. Like, I think they would, are literally out there scouring the league just for guys who can play power forward. And they obviously would rather choose the the best ones. But they know, as the Minnesota Timberwolves, that there is a chance that you're going to miss out on the Simmons, on the on the John Collins, on all of those guys, and you're going to need to find a replacement for them, a, a, a guy who kind of doesn't tick all the boxes that you need, but still plays that position and still gives you some things that you need. Um, so for me, Gallo kind of falls in that category as a guy who's more of a second, third, fourth, fifth option. But when there's, if those other options fall through, I don't think it's impossible or even kind of outlandish to to suggest that he could end up in Minnesota at some point. And I just think it goes back to like the order of operations, like free agency starts August 2nd. So if, if you've made it apparent that for the second straight year, you're trying to fill that power forward spot, 
whether it be a starter or, you know, a very strong contributing bench guy. And we just listed a half dozen names from Serge Ibaka to Cody Zeller to Daniel Tice. Like, you also got to do your due diligence and call around on six other guys that kind of fall into that same bucket, but would have to be traded rather than signed. Just so you can get an idea. Like, you, maybe you call a team and they're like, hey, uh, you know, like, let's say it's Atlanta. It's like, hey, you know, we're just kind of interested in Gallo. And like, oh, yeah, we would dump him for a you know a heavily protected future first and just a contract or, you know just kind of get yeah. an idea as you make up your board of how much like if they said you know we want culver rubio and an unprotected first then you kind of get an idea right so i think dane was on it i think they investigated it hard i think he's on their radar but i also think there's a half dozen other guys via trade that are on their radar and then a dozen guys in free agency so um yeah he won't fix the defense but he would he really embraced his role in Atlanta and his role was a you know a bona fide role player right 24 minutes a game um so it'd be interesting but I I just think he kind of falls into that idea that they have to address the front court in some way or the other because even with Nas Reed's development and maybe we didn't even mention his name yet but maybe they bring Jaron Vanderbilt back um they still are like lacking like they still have a hole there they don't have a hole in the backcourt. Their backcourt, if Rubio stays or not, I mean, it's, you know, it's a healthy D'Lo and maybe, you know, maybe some strong Malik Beasley minutes, maybe Jalen Noel. I mean, we'll see what they do with Jordan McLaughlin or they go find another kind of third point guard. Um, but that that part's covered, but it's this front court that's kind of still a fucking mess. I, I won't, we won't linger too much on this, but I would be shocked, to be honest, if they don't give... Jared Vanderbilt, at least Jared Vanderbilt, at least the biannual exception, and and maybe if he's getting better offers than that, that might be the reason why they let him go. But like, like I've said this last week, I'm on my rewatch of the season because I'm a psychopath, and that that's how I fill my spare time. But he, Jared Vanderbilt, is a very, very, very good defender, man. I think I underrated him during the season when the kind of the emotion is is so tied into the to the games and and the overall narrative of just how bad the team is defensively and the coaching change and all the injuries and stuff. I think I sold Vanderbilt short on how good defensively he actually is. He's not too many steps beneath that Jaden McDaniels range of defender. Um, he's obviously doesn't have the length or the, or the vertical like, like Jaden does. And I don't want to compare them because I think Jaden is is better and has a much higher ceiling. But like Vander is really good defensively. I don't think you can let a guy who's a restricted free agent who's really good defensively leave this team at this point. Like, it just seems kind of silly to me, especially a guy who probably isn't going to get that many offers in free agency. Uh, so, I don't I know. get strong Tyus Jones vibes, right? Like, yeah, we, we gave him a not, – not the local connection, but, like, we gave him a nickname, right? V8. Um, he's beloved. He's a former Kentucky guy. He was hanging out with Carl and D'Lo, uh, D'Lo's camp. He turned 22 in April. So, I mean, like, he, 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 the league is fascinating to me. Like, I don't know what this is, but I always just think certain guys that have been in the league for a decade are so much older than they are. I mean, Jared Vanderbilt's bounced around now to two teams. He just turned 22, right? Like, and there, this there's is the a first lo- time he's actually played. Like, that was the right, first time exactly. he's actually played basketball. But, but my, my, my Tyus Jones thing was like, you know, if someone does offer him three years, 24 million, he's gone. Um, yeah. like, oh, yeah. like no, no, the wolves aren't going to be able to pay him 8 million a year, but if you can cut that in half and give him kind of a, like the Jake Lehman contract, um, which is like what, three years, 14 million or something. Like I could see him being like, I don't know. I, I, I watch more blazers games than a lot of other people just where I'm geographically located. I would rather just kick the tires on paying Jared Vanderbilt than I would like trying to acquire Derek Jones jr. Like, yeah, that, yeah, I, I, that's exactly I just, what I mean. Like he's there's he's got clear flaws offensively, especially. So I don't think like he's not going to be the starting power forward. But like the things he does well, he does really well. Uh, every single advanced stat loves him defensively. Like he, the, like I, the, some of the okay. guys he defensive EPM, which is one of the best uh, kind of you know all in one defensive metrics. Like he's on the same level, the exact same level. As Ben Simmons, you know, he's just under Matisse Thybul, like Jimmy Butler, Draymond Green. That's the guys who he's around in almost every defensive metric. I know that that might be overrating him a little bit because we watch him every night and we didn't think that he was 
one of the best defenders in the league, but like he's really good. And on the, on a watch where I've been really paying attention to him, uh, I think he does a lot of things well. Although he is undersized for his position, he's a guy. I think he's just a, a plug and play kind of kind of guy. You know, like I don't think you give him fifteen twenty minutes every night, but there's situations where he can play really well and change a game. The same well, the same way that. Josh Akogi still does that now. Sometimes he might play five minutes Akogi or he might not be playable in a game. But then there's other games that you watch where Akogi is kind of the guy who wins you the game because that, the, that, that night just fits him so well. Let, let me just push back on something you said just for argument's sake. Um, if, they, if they did a deal with Gallo, let's, say, let's just like kind of hypothetically create a weird off-season simulation where they acquire Gallo for like a Rubio, right? But Gallo's going to come off the bench with as you put it, this high octane Beasley Gallo kind of bench mob, right? Like, I, I wouldn't say it's a complete non starter that Jared Vanderbilt couldn't be the starting power forward. Just kind of, you know, getting his 22 minutes a game, 24 minutes a game, but he's starting with the starters. I mean, I, I have such a man crush on Bobby Portis, but Jared Vanderbilt might just be the next Bobby Portis, right? Like, just strong, physical. Um, Bobby Portis wasn't shooting threes at 22. But now he's shooting him at 26. Like, Jared Van- I mean, the reason I say about the shooting threes thing is because I see on Instagram all the time that Vando's just jacking threes in these pickup <laughs> games down in, like, Miami or whatever. But, I mean, I just – I think, like, I don't think I would be bummed if the Wolves made some other ancillary moves to fill out the roster and entered the season with Jared Vanderbilt at the starting power forward. Like, I would then need someone really good to be, like, coming in or another piece somewhere – but I just – I'm with you, I think, in the sense – and I think we agree on this, right? He was way more impressive than we thought. And I think a lot of people are just stained. A lot of people's perspectives on certain Wolves players, more from a national standpoint, but even some of us. I'm guilty of this too. You think of the bad moments. Or you think of the first half of the season moments. Like you think of Jared Vanderbilt dropping countless passes. And yeah. you don't realize like – when Chris Finch came in and kind of unleashed him, I remember, I think it was in Miami when he was like guarding Jimmy Butler on the perimeter and he was, looked like Drew Holiday out there. Like it's just, you don't realize how impactful he was on defense because their defense sucked. But if they had a better system, that's going to be Joseph or new assistant coach, Joseph Blair's like pet project is fixing the defense. Um, I, I just really like him. I hope he stays. And I think that's your point too, right? Like I hope he gets a good, solid deal for both sides but i i really would be bummed if he's not on the team yeah i, I can see a world where him beasley and gallo are all in a second unit together i mean i don't think gallo mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like i think if you're rolling gallo out there you're kind of punting on him being a positive defender at any position uh and i think vando can easily guard pretty much any three in the league like as long as they're you know not running three guard lineups like i don't think i'm 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 kind of shifting in my chair if if Jared Vanderbilt is guarding a, a three in, on a bench unit and and Gallinari is guarding a four on a bench unit, I think that that kind of three-man lineup works. Beasley, Vanderbilt, Gallinari. He's just... Like, we yeah, like, here, here, here's a lineup. Here's a lineup for you. And again, we, people, this is for Wolves nerds only. So turn this off if you don't want to be bummed <laughs> out. But like, if, if that starting lineup of, uh, of D'Lo, Ant, Jaden, a good power forward... I don't know, and then and then Carl, and then your second unit is like some weird combination, as you just said, of like Beasley, Gallo, Jared Vanderbilt, Nas Reed, and then like I don't know, a, like a Michael Carter Williams or or someone in that realm that's more p- defense first, but can kind of set the table for others. I mean, you have a lot of shooting on that second lineup. You have a lot of scoring, but you also have some good defense, right? Like Jared Vanderbilt, whoever your yeah. defensive backup point guard is, Nas Reed, like. You know, you're, you're never going to put out five, as we just saw in the NBA Finals, you're never going to put out five great shooters and also five great defenders at the same time. Oh, you'd, oh, you'd, be, 80, you'd be 82 and zero. Right, yeah. So the, you kind of got to mix and match and then kind of rely on your coaching and your scheming. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you that if you could run those two guys together, have Vanderbilt be kind of the, the hustle defensive guy, mix him, mix him with a Nas Reed. Um, I, I just think this this the core of this is set. And that's not like a hot take, right? Like the core of this franchise is set now with Russell, Ant, and Carl. And I think they have more secret kind of potential behind the scenes with a Jaden, with a Nas, with a Jared Vanderbilt 
than people realize. So kind of finding the right players, not just the biggest names, but the right players to put next to them. Um, I'm with you. I think, I think Jared Vanderbilt and Der- uh, Gallinari would play really well together. Like, I think they'd be a good combo. Yeah. Uh, one last Gallinari question. Uh, it comes from Troop Carlson, who I, I think that, I think this is a really good question and it's something that I've wondered as well. I, I want to get your thoughts is like, what is the ceiling for this Wolves team if they add Gallo? Obviously, we've, we've discussed that we think that he could really help the team, but obviously kind of puts a, a hard cap on what they can do defensively, which is which is their biggest issue. And then obviously you look at the finals right now, and that's one of the, that's two of the best defensive teams in the league uh, that that are battling out for the championship. And, and you you really realize how important defense is to make deep runs or to to win or even to win a lot of regular season games. Uh, how if if they add Gallo and they add Whatever power forward or big guy who can who can slot in next to Towns as a as a minimum, just say that's the baseline. The rest of the team they run it back. How many games do they win? Like, you know, what do you think they can do with that? So if they're again hypothetically, I'm not trying to bum people up, but if their off season was they buy into the second round to get like a flyer on a guy, and then Gallo and Cody Zeller, right? Let's that's kind of the off season. Um, <laughs> so they, they'd be uproar. They'd be right. uproar in the fan no, but, base. You know, but I kind of love it. I kind of love it, man. I don't, know I if I'm don't just a sicko. think it's uproar though, because like I said, like I think they have a chance at Ben Simmons, but I also think too, like I really think that this is the most, like from building a franchise standpoint. I mean, the, the the Jimmy Butler year was a really good roster, but I'm saying like from a age and building a roster standpoint, like, I think this is like the most talented roster that I can remember. Again, they, there's no Kevin Garnett on this team, so you kind of got to play ball with me here. But, like, they have a lot of pieces. So if they went and got some of those more specialist pieces that either spread the floor or just kind of a, you know, a behind-the-scenes lunch pail guy, um, I, I, I think – and this is where the optimism comes in, right? But I also actually fucking think this. I think they're going to win a lot more games than people realize. My biggest thing I hate in the summer – is this this concept of we we kind of like restart the season and as Wolves fans were like, well, where do we even fall in the pecking order? I mean, this team's going to have this and this team's going to have this and this team's going to be really fully loaded. Like, be real with yourself this time. Like, go look at the NBA Western Conference roster and like be honest with yourself. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think the Nuggets will be good, but Jamal Murray won't be back till March. We don't know mm-hmm. what's going to happen with this Portland debacle. We don't know if Damian Lillard is going to be there. I have, re- I really actually think, and this is for another day. I really think Kawhi Leonard leaves the Clippers. Like I, I think, Ooh, like you just you start to. Takes. I mean, and, and and even even if he didn't leave, he's not playing. Like you don't have to be a doctor to know that he's going to miss a year. So he's not going to be on the Clippers roster until at least mid-April. So I'm just like, you start to pick apart these Western Conference teams, and you're like, I could see a lot of them. Like I could see the West being top-heavy as always, but like. The sixth seed is really up for grabs. So you mix that in with the fact that this front office now needs to start winning. Um, I don't see why they couldn't go. It's too early still for math, but like, you know, not 41 and 41, but I mean, maybe 44 and 38 or something. Like I could see them winning enough games if everything gelled. Because if it doesn't, then you kind of have to blow it all up again and go for the Ant Jaden timeline. But I think if you added specialists and guys that were really good glue guys, like the Portises of the world for the Bucks or the Tuckers, like they could really kind of find their stride. Because I believe that this roster just needs tweaks. I don't believe that this roster needs like, you know, implosions or, you know, like you need to blow up the garage and add a, a pool. Like I don't think that's what this roster needs. Do you agree? Is that too hot? Yeah. Is that too optimistic? No, I do. And I've been saying that, that I think that, that this roster needs, like you said, just kind of glue guys and guys who can plug holes. I also think, and this might be a hot take because I know that like this team needs defense, right? And, and that's, you know, I'm not breaking any news there, but I don't know. I, the reason I kind of like the Gallo thing when I think the consensus is that it's just a shit move is, like, offense still wins you games, man. The, didn't, Danilo Gallinari is a very, very good offensive player still. He, like... Uh, 
I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm tripping over my words a little bit here, but like the top ten defenses. This is according to cleaning the glass. The, the top ten offenses all made the playoffs last year. Every single one of the top ten. If the if I think Minnesota have more of a chance of getting into that top ten and just trying to play teams off the floor offensively and survive two, three, four minute patches defensively by plugging in a Jared Vanderbilt, you know, late in a game for for a matchup or a Josh Cody or someone like that or Cody Zeller or something, you know, like I think they have more chance of winning games by doing that than they do by kind of balancing out the two. And like you said, having a bunch of guys who can be really good offensively and really good, really good defensively on the court at the same time. I just think that like you added, like you added a guy like Gallinari who 90th percentile in points per shot, 96th percentile in points per possession, like 98th percentile in transition. 95th percentile spot up, 99th percentile as a pick and roll roll man. <laughs> like it keeps going. 85th percentile as a cutter, you know, 98th percentile on handoffs. This guy is a really, really good offensive player. If you want to kind of add more strings to the bow that you already have rather than trying to go to the bow maker and, and get him to make you a different one, um, I think that Gallinari is kind of a guy who can do that for you. And. To me, that's not as bad as an idea as I think that other people kind of suggest it is. I just think that leaning into the offense, I don't know if it wins them a championship, but I don't know if this roster wins them a championship, period. I think what it does do is kind of gets you in the hunt and gets you some experience. It keeps Tyler these hands here for another, for another run at it. It keeps Anthony Edwards happy. It's just the way to get your foot in the door in terms of not being a shit team forever. And, 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 you know, you also, I'm, I'm with you on that, right? Like realistically, you're right. Like the realistically, who knows if the Wolves will ever win a, an NBA title, but like you saw what the Hawks did and just, you need one break to go your way, right? Like even the Phoenix Suns thing, as much as people were excited about Chris Paul, go back and look at articles written in October, 2020. There yeah. were still plenty of people that were like, they're going to be, ass <laughs> like you know i did I mean? not like, think that phoenix would be very good i'll admit that and and take my l right now like i thought they would probably be a low seed in the playoffs and i didn't really believe the bubble thing was was anything more than an anomaly um i got proven wrong because the phoenix suns were fucking awesome to watch this year and just one of the most fun teams i've ever kind of kept a fairly close eye on but yeah, like that's who am I to sit here and tell you the Timberwolves aren't going to win a championship with this roster? But I do, I think that the goal should never be just make the playoffs, you know? Like the goal should never be try and be the sixth seed. But my, and my, my my point on this, and I think this will be my last official offseason take because by the time this comes out, we'll be like three days away from the draft. Over so in April and May of 2021, they played 25 games. They had like 18 in April. And I think like seven in May or whatever. Um, they went 12 and 13, I think, over those last 25 games. So that's like a 48% winning percentage, right? 48% winning percentage over 82 games is 40 wins. Um, if you told me right now, just today, hey, uh, you might have to give me a finger or two, but like, I'm going to guarantee you the Wolves are going to win 40 games next year. Number one, I'm fucking in. Like that, yes, I'm I'm ready. Um, forty wins would have put them like basically between the seven and eight seed in the playoffs. So like you're kind of like hosting one of those play-in games. Um, that's and you know what I mean. And that's before you talk about any real off-season acquisitions or like you know any like just more tweaking of you know the like we said about the food analogy, like letting Chris Finch just keep cooking a little bit rather than adding any specific proteins or anything. Um. And I think, too, the Wolves are going to be just like they were this last year. They're going to be one of those teams in March and April that are trying to win as many games as possible because maybe they're in contention for a playoff spot while, you know, eight teams in the league are going to be tanking for Chet Holmgren or tanking for someone else. So I really do think, like, 40 is kind of the floor. And I know that sounds crazy because when Vegas drops their win-loss on you know win -loss over unders, it's going to be probably, like, 28, 29. But I really firmly think that they have the pieces – fully healthy with a guy like Ant. Like we haven't even talked about this, but this could be an article idea for you. Like these guys make that second year leap, right? 
Like if yeah. Anthony Edwards is 1.5 times better than he was to close out the last 30 games of the season, dude, I don't give a fuck about Gallinari. Like who cares about any of these other pieces? <laughs> like he's going to be a star. Like if he gets all-star votes, you can pretty much just lock in that they're going to win 40 games. Yeah, right? <laughs> because Carl Anthony Towns is still really, really good, man. Like, still better than Anthony Edwards. And I would be surprised if mm, Anthony mm-hmm, Edwards is, mm-hmm. better th- is, is better than Carl Anthony Towns when we're sitting here at this time next year. But if, if Anthony Edwards is even in the same kind of ballpark as Towns, this team has to be fairly good. It's just like, that's what happens. If you have two guys who are all-star, an all-star a borderline all-star and a D'Angelo Russell kind of just underneath all-star level player. I don't think it matters. This might sound stupid. Maybe it is stupid. I don't think it matters how bad your defense is. I think that you still just win enough games to be a playoff team. Now the the question and from then, there, and then you might get yeah you might get pummeled in the playoffs when yeah, when the yeah. screws tighten. But I think that's you know it, it's kind of like the Atlanta Hawks thing again or like it's y- like the it's like the Bucks thing like it. it you need to get to the playoffs to see what you're really going to be exposed, where you're going to be exposed. We know they're probably going to be exposed defensively, but what are the exact areas that in a seven-game yep. series a team is going to drill into you and, and really crack open your skull in that in that you know certain part of your of your head? Like that's what you learn in the playoffs. That's what you don't learn playing the Orlando Magic with G League guys in game seven, you know sixty-eight or something like. That's what you learn in the playoffs. And to get to the playoffs, you need to do what Atlanta did. You need to do what Milwaukee did, which is kind of have a few runs at it where you embarrass yourself in the playoffs. And then you then you can really take a season and an off season to acquire the players and to adjust your stream and to try new things like, like Milwaukee did. Or you do what Atlanta did and you, you get there kind of maybe a, a little bit ahead of your time. And all of a sudden you make a... a "Quote unquote miracle run to the to the conference finals, and now the whole trajectory of the of the franchise has changed. Like I'm sure there's no one in Atlanta that cares right now that they probably still don't have a roster that is built to win a championship. What they know is this team just made the conference finals, and like they got young players, they got a young core, and they've got time to figure that out. Like these guys are probably going to resign. John Collins was good as gone a month ago, and now I'd be shocked if he didn't sign for Atlanta." It's that's and where I, just, I think they've I, got to get first. They've got to get to that step. Then you figure out how to win a championship. And I think Gallo does help you get to that step, even if he is a band-aid over a over a massive crack in the wall. He's still at least starting to fill up some of that that crack. And and again, like this will be my final take for sure. But like I just it is so much fun to get a push notification on your phone from Woj. That said, the wolf signed so and so. It really is, man. So, like, I get it, right? But it, 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 they always talk about when you hire a new coach or something like kind of this concept of winning the press conference. Um, that that definitely gets you excited on August fourth when you get that text. But you forget about it by like August sixth, right? Like sometimes the best shit that happens is nothing. Like sometimes the best moves are not making a move. And I just look at the landscape this year with we're not even a full week removed from the finals and like so many teams you're seeing like dysfunction like the dallas mavericks thing has cooled but like that whole organization is a fucking mess portland the clippers like just you just see all this like what what if what if two weeks from now and this seems so hot takeish, but like what if the phoenix suns can't come to terms with chris paul like what what if what if there's a real possibility he bolts because sarver doesn't want to pay him and ayton and, you know, bridges all this money. So I'm just saying, like, this is – there's not a lot going on with the Wolves right now, and I know people are bored. But this is about the time every year where it's like people are making up Carl Anthony Towns bullshit, right? Like, that he wants out, he wants this. Like, everyone's just chilling. And I think sometimes just not having any dysfunction, not having turnover, not having all this drama just adds in five wins because these guys are just more relaxed. They're more focused. They don't have to deal with all that stuff, and they're just going to come in – they're not one of the seven or eight teams that had a new coach. Their coach has already been here. He's coached them for 35 games. They know what his cell phone number is. He's in the gym working with them. So that, that, that that's why I'm I'm bullish on it, even though we're staring down the barrel of three or four days from now, we have no draft picks and we don't have any money. Like, I understand why you'd be like, well, how the hell do we get any better? And I think it's just because you just organically do. 
and that's not sexy. Woj isn't going to tweet like the Tim- Minnesota Timberwolves have organically gotten 5% better. But that's <laughs> how these teams do it. Like that's how these young teams start to gel and kind of take a leap. So that was it. That was my that was my off-season primer. Um I wish yeah. I, I, it, I didn't it, answer the I didn't answer the question by the way. I I I would say 50 wins is their ceiling and maybe a second round exit, but that's not the end of the world, I think. And uh, like you said, we we've got one other thing to talk about before we end the show, but just because I'd ranted for about 20 minutes on that question, I didn't actually get close to answering it. Um, 50 wins, I think, would be their ceiling if they add Gallo and some other pieces that you'd kind of expect them to, to add other smaller pieces. Um, and yo, no. dude, like, come if on. If they win 50 games next year, I'll be unbearable, man. Like, Bro, if they win you know 50 what? games you and will win... Not want, you, I'll lose followers daily on Twitter. If they win 50 games, because I will be unbearable. If they win 50 games and get swept in the second round by a team that just, as you said, they have the defensive part figured out, like the Wolves just ride this unconscious shooting streak for we'll a while. Be roll- they- we'll, we'll be rolling into Minnesota like DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker after they won the Western Conference Finals with our head out of a sunroof, popping bottles of Moet. Like, that's well, the- I, I probably won't because I'll be arrested. So, like, if they win 50 games, I will, like, be banned from Twitter and just be arrested. Because I said, like, that's it, – it's the building block. Like I said, the Atlanta Hawks might go 30 and 52 next year, right? Like you they're, never, stripping your, they're stripping your blue check mark real oh, for quick sure. if Minnesota for sure. win 50 games. I'm getting suspended. But you know what I mean? Like, I just – nothing's ever – this is not to turn this into a life coaching segment. But nothing's ever promised or guaranteed. Like, if I could just have a run where we're writing and podcasting and doing all that stuff into – early may late you know late may or whatever um that's dude that's gonna be fucking memorable so you gotta yeah. the the nba rarely what the suns just did hadn't happened before really and i i don't think it's gonna happen again for the next decade like you just you rarely see a team just go from the second ring of the ladder to the ninth like you just don't see that these teams have to kind of get their bumps and bruises and and have a six game first round playoff win or something and then get swept in the second round. Like that's how this shit works. And I think to answer the Gallo question, like, yeah, 45, 50 wins, get into the playoffs, have a really good playoff team, maybe steal a series against a guy who, or a team that is without an Anthony Davis or something, and then just get your ass kicked in the second round. But then you kind of know like, okay, we've, we've moved ourselves up the ladder a little bit. We're no longer Western conference cellar dwellers. Um, and now we're here. And now what do we need to do to get to the next step uh, in contention? So good questions. Good hear, questions. You want to hear something quick before we get into to my announcement after this ad break that we'll go on? You know how he said that, that players become available, right? I'm looking at Bleacher Report right now who are just this second reporting that Bradley Beal is considering a trade request before the NBA draft. That's how quick these things move. And that's how quick the the Ben Simmons thing becomes back on the table. That's, Bill does not have a proverbial list of destinations, but it was mentioned by multiple sources that he would welcome joining teams such as Boston, Golden State, Miami, or Philadelphia. Like, that's Ben Simmons back in play. That's how quick these things move. I'm not going to get into the whole Bill thing because we've just spent 50 minutes, you know, talking about other stuff. But that's kind of just, I think, a, a stamp to remind you that, that Bradley Bill... Uh, you know, as the playoff end, playoffs ended, committed verbally on record about wanting to stay in Washington. And obviously, this is just a rumor, but a, a pretty well sourced one, and one that's you, I'm sure you'll see these, you know everyone listening would have seen by now when they're listening to this. But I don't know. But, uh, but it also, it also, it also puts weird, you. Man. Yeah, it also puts you back into like maybe the Wolves don't get Beal, but you know they're they're Gerson Rosas loves to be that third team, right? To Either yeah. send some young assets to get a you know a middle tier vet or just like do something. But yeah, I think I think I think we're gonna go live with this pod on Monday. Um, so by the time this happens, I mean half the roster might be traded. But I, I really do think shit's gonna start picking up this week, regardless of if the Wolves have any picks. So uh, it's this weekend was kind of our relaxing vacation. Um, and now we're gonna see the season really get chaotic again. So uh, turn on your turn on your Twitter notifications starting Monday. Right, um, let's take a quick break um, and then we'll be back and we'll talk about some other stuff after that. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, 
a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we are back. Uh, that was a really good conversation that we wanted to have for about half an hour. I think we've, we've almost hit an hour, so I won't keep anyone too long for this. But I do want to just announce that uh, from the season onwards, from next season onwards, but but especially from, I guess, the next few weeks onwards, probably from, from Monday onwards, I will be starting a weekly newsletter, a Timbles weekly newsletter. It is a paid newsletter, but it is something that I'm going to be dedicating pretty much all of my time to, all of my spare time. Uh, it'll be around $3.75 US uh, a month or $30 US a year. I am going to, I guess the, the, the main things I want to get across here is that I completely understand that paying for any sort of content in a world where there is just fucking so much content is scary and i am scared to to put my stuff behind a paywall but i also think that what i do is good enough obviously and and what i will do will be better than i've ever done what i will do will be more consistent than it ever has been and what i will do is really really work hard to to earn every dollar that i make uh it's definitely not all about the money it's definitely something i wanted to do just in terms of the newsletter format obviously that means that that these newsletter issues will be posted straight to your email account uh email mailbox every week I, i just want to create unique stuff and i know that i need to create unique stuff to make this worthwhile for you guys and make this worthwhile for me and that means that every week you'll get a deep dive, which if you've read me my stuff before over at Canis, you'll know that, that I love a, a long article, a deep dive into a subject. You'll get one of them a week. You'll get a video breakdown, which will be called Straight Sets. Uh, that'll be on specific plays or specific trends. That'll be really in-depth, multiple uh, kind of visual breakdowns, multiple... Uh, paragraphs explaining those things, explaining why they happen, you know, the the names of offensive sets, really digging into Chris Finch's playbook, which I've already started to do. I've got hundreds of clips already that I've that I've got, and I've really been talking to a lot of coaches and a lot of uh, guys who really understand offensive sets and the names of them and why they happen and, and the ways to defend them and stuff like that. So that's going to be really where I want to stand out with that those visual that visual medium uh, and then you'll get a week in review kind of hows and growls which is the likes and dislikes you'll get that every week which will be a free post as well that, that everyone can look at the website is going to be called hows and growls the newsletter uh, it's hows and growls all one word dot substack dot com oh you'll see it on my twitter probably by the time you listen to this I'll put the the link in the show notes I don't want to rattle on too much about it because you come here kind of to listen to, to Tim Wolf's discussion. So, but I wanted to tell everyone uh, a lot of people listen to the podcast, a lot more people than I ever expected. If 10% of you think that this is something that you enjoy and something that if you believe that I really will kind of keep my word to to give you creative and unique and, and consistent coverage, then please consider signing up. Um, like I said, the the link will be in the show notes, and, and and I appreciate everyone who listens to this, and and, and yeah, uh, I just thought I'd quickly put that out on here because that is where all my writing is going to be. Now I will stop chewing your ear off, and, and I know you want to talk a little bit, Kyle. So so was there anything you wanted to ask me about this that I guess maybe the the listeners will be asking as well? 
No, let's, uh, I'm going to take them behind the curtain a little bit because you had told me about this about a month ago. Um, so let's just kind of clean up some things. Um, I've known Jake for a couple years now. I think Jake is one of the best basketball writers. And I don't just mean in the Wolves market. I just mean across NBA Twitter. Um, and Jake had obviously been writing at Canis for, for me for a couple years as well as having paint points. Uh, his podcast, you know, lo- located at canishoopus.com. Uh, Which will and continue, by the way. I didn't mention that, but the podcast will, nothing different will be about the podcast. You definitely not have to pay for the podcast. So, yeah, so all that, of that, that will be the same. Yeah, I was just going to do some like kind of housekeeping. Like I said, this Pain Points podcast isn't going anywhere. It's not changing. Uh, Jake is still going to be a Canis teammate, uh, and you'll be getting podcasts from him throughout the season, throughout the offseason, um, located at canishoopus.com. But yeah, for the writing thing, um, I think it's sometimes important to just take people behind the scenes and just like without getting too deep. Um, I know you've been thinking about this for a while. We've been kind of talking about this for a while. And I really promote more than ever, like people just taking chances on themselves. Like I'm pretty tight with Dane Moore. Uh, and when he left, you know, when he kind of got forced out of zone coverage or whatever, um, because of the, the pandemic, like he really had to bet on himself. And you've seen that if you put the work in, I mean, I've always said this, right? Like, the Wolves have, I think, one of the most closeted, secret, giant fan bases. Like, it's a a running joke to make fun of the Wolves, but there are a lot of people that really eat this shit up. And I know that because I see, like, statistics and page views, and I see all these downloads and stuff. So, um, I think betting on yourself is awesome. I Like, we've talked about behind the scenes, you know, the biggest challenge is to be consistent. um, And the high-quality part's already there. So, yeah, I am uh, sad. It's kind of like... It's kind of like college, right? Like you're still going to be associated with us. You're still part of the family. You're still going to have a podcast with us. Um, but I'm excited to see you go off to your next venture. And I would urge everyone that if you're a fan of Jake painting, if you're a fan of paint points, um, this is going to be really good. Like, you know, the Dane Moore NBA podcast is elite at what it does. I think this kind of the first real substack in the wolves market is going to be really fucking good. Um, so subscribe. Jake's going to be promoting it all throughout the week and all throughout the summer. Um, and I think it's important to support people who do really high quality work. So I'm excited for you. Uh, I know I'm going to be behind you. Uh, I'm going to be your first subscriber. Um, I'm excited for more podcasts like this. Uh, and I think, I think it's cool, man. I think, I think it's a big step for you, um, personally. And I think you'll have a lot of support and, we have high expectations, you know what I mean? But that, that should motivate you. So, you know, uh, we'll subscribe, we'll pay. You get us good newsletters once or twice a week. And um, when we win 50 games, I expect like a 50,000-word Substack article. <laughs> uh, the Gallinari Chronicles, I think it'll be called. Uh, I appreciate everything that you've said. I, I appreciate anyone who's sitting there considering subscribing right now um like you said i'm just gonna work hard at it and hopefully it works and and if it doesn't you know like you know that i'll continue to work hard at everything i do and especially the writing side it really is something that i love to do and i and i want to create like i said 10 times already i want i want to create unique content and this is where my most unique content ever is going to be and uh, I hope to see all you guys there. Um, I won't go on too much about it now. Kyle, love you, man. Um, let's do this again for Summer League. I want Jack. I know Jack, we're going to do a Summer League preview and a, and a free agency kind of wrap-up as well, preview. I think we hit on a lot of the free agency stuff today. I want to do a Summer League thing with you and Jack next week if you are down for that, um, and, and we'll have a little bit of fun there. Hey, and you know, my, la- my last thing is, is that I know the Wolves suck, but I just said that I know that there's a passionate fan base behind the scenes. Um, you and I have finessed our fandom into like, you know, having a following or you know, making just a little money on the side. No one's going to bemoan the fact that this is a lot of work, but it's also like, dude, we're just talking about basketball. So it never <laughs> yeah. feels like work, you know, but um, I really do think like I in in this site manager position and interacting with other site managers and other teams and stuff. Um, the the on-court product might never be better. Like, it might just always be flatulent. But the coverage of this team is so awesome. So for 10 bucks a month, if you can get the, the Dane Moore Patreon and the, 
you know, the house or the sub stack for Jake painting and maybe an athletic subscription. I mean, you have elite coverage of a team that's not elite yet, but if they ever turn that shit around on the court, my God, my God, is the coverage going to be next level? Because I think I, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy and excited and proud of the people that cover this team and you're one of them. So yeah, subscribe to the sub stack. Um, it's going to be fantastic. And, uh, like I said, we're, 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 we're sad to see you leave your words from Canis and put them somewhere else, but we're excited for you to kind of graduate to that next realm. Um, and yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's see what the next step is for, for the franchise that we love to hate and hate to love. Yeah. Uh, I completely agree. Dormant, a, a dormant kind of franchise that, that I'm really, excited to to keep growing with and obviously i've been doing this for a long time but uh it is sad to leave canis uh, i'll leave my eulogies completely i think for twitter but i'm not not leaving you guys completely but i i have loved every minute of my canis experience and this is just something i feel like i had to do so i'm ready to do it um i'm happy that you've given me your canis blessing and you know let's let's do it man let's do it Let's do it. Uh, thanks for having me on, and um, yeah, let's do it again soon. All right, awesome. And everyone else, thanks for listening. I will put the Substack link in the show notes, and uh, you can find it there. And, and apart from that, thanks for always joining me. <laughs>